Today's scripture reading comes to us from Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And the Lord said to me, Go again, loving women who is loved by another man, and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisin, so I brought her for fifteen shekels of silver and a homer and a lechel of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as a mine, as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or households, gods, afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the later days. Restore the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a time of prayer once more. God, we commit this time to you. And as we delve into this passage together, would you speak to us and help us be able to walk away uh, from this passage, once again being reminded of the depth of your redeeming love for broken sinners like us, Lord. Thank you. We commit this time to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. During my bachelor party, uh, which took place a while back, and in case you're wondering, and wanting to hear some juicy details, uh, let me just tell you from the get-go, it was nothing like the movie Hangover. Nothing crazy like that happened. Uh, but during my bachelor party, uh, my younger brother, who was my best man, uh, dared me to do something so that everyone who came to my bachelor party would get a, a good laugh out of it. And I'm sure you guys are all wondering, what was the dare? And at the time... Uh, we were eating at a restaurant, and my younger brother came up with this brilliant idea. And he looked at me and said, bro, I dare you to go get phone numbers from those girls sitting in a bar. And that was a dare. And, he, and at this time, he's already giggling because he knows I have absolutely zero game whatsoever. No game. And I'm not a smooth operator like some of the brothers here who are experts when it comes to um, the art of wooing uh, their ladies, and who, are, who probably already have already planned that for next Thursday, in case you're wondering, what's next Thursday? Valentine's Day. So, so you can thank me later. Brothers, you still have four days to prepare something last minute, T minus four days, right? You know, but for me, that there was my mission impossible. Because at that time, uh, when we were having this bachelor party, more than half of the people who came were from my church, my congregation members. So my reputation as a pastor was on the line. My credibility as a pastor, my image as a pastor was on the line. But obviously, I did not go through. And he, he made fun of me um, throughout the night, but even to this day, he talks about it, right? And on the day of the wedding, during the best man's speech, my younger brother called me out again for not doing this there. <laughs> and my initial reaction was, here we go again. He's going to roast me again in front of everybody. But he uh, had grace on me, and he finished the speech by saying, he might be really embarrassed to do a dare, but he's not embarrassed to love. So I thank him for that, because that could have gone really terrible. Now, there was a prophet named Hosea, and he received a specific task from God, and it definitely caught him by surprise. Why? Because God specifically commanded Hosea to do something that looks incredibly scandalous and reckless, to go marry a woman named Gomer, who is a prostitute. Now, during those days, and even now, that would have been extremely frowned upon for someone like Hosea, a man of God, a prophet sent by God. Now, Hosea knew that marrying Gomer would permanently smear his reputation and destroy his image beyond repair and wreck his credibility in the eyes of everyone once and for all. And this was mission impossible for Hosea. But here's the thing. 
instead of questioning God, Hosea actually obeys God. And question is why? Because what matters the most to Hosea is living a life of faithful obedience to God, even when things don't make sense. He remains faithful to this task. Hosea obeys God because he's not embarrassed to love God, no matter what the cost. Now, there's a question that we must consider as we delve into today's passage together, and that is this. Why did God ask Hosea to marry Gomer, who is a prostitute, and for what purpose? I want you to hold that thought as we move along this message. I'll be raising three points. Point number one, the love that seeks. Point number two, the love that ransoms. Point number three, the love that completes. Let's jump into the first point together, the love that seeks. Why did God send Hosea to the people of Israel? And what kind of message did he prophesy to God's people? What was happening during that time? You know, to answer these questions, we need to understand the historical context of Hosea's ministry. And so allow me to help you to um, understand what was happening during this time in the time of the Old Testament. Now, after the death of Solomon, Israel was split, divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, the southern kingdom of uh, Judah was ruled by a line of both good kings who did what was right in the sight of God, as you can see, and also bad kings who did what was evil in the sight of God. But as you can see on the left side, which uh, refers to the northern kingdom of Israel, unlike the kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel was ruled by a line of 19 wicked kings. Not a single good king who remained faithful to God, whose sinful uh, rebellion idolatry not only provoked God to anger, but they led the entire kingdom astray from God and made Israel to sin. The first king of Israel, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, was a guy named Jeroboam. And during his 22-year reign, which is mentioned in 1 Kings 14.20, Jeroboam single-handedly and tragically set the entire kingdom on a path to utter ruin and destruction by forcing everyone to worship the golden calves that he set up. Now, I would like to draw your attention to what the Bible says about all the kings who came after Jeroboam. And I'm going to be reading some passages. Please read along with me. The verses we projected for you to, to, to read. And if you, care, if you pay careful attention, you should be able to uh, notice a recurring theme. So the king who came after Jeroboam was uh, Nadab, who was the second king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And this is what the Bible says concerning him. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, Jeroboam, and in his sin, which he made Israel to sin. Baasha was the next king who came after him. And notice what the Bible says about him. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, walked in the way of Jeroboam. Skip down to Amri, who was the sixth king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Once again, Amri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, for he walked in the way of Jeroboam. Ahab comes after Amri, the seventh king of the northern kingdom of Israel. In verse 30, Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And then Ahab made Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. It just gets worse and worse and worse. After Ahab comes a king named Ahaziah, who is uh, king number eight of this kingdom, Verse 52, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and in the way of Jeroboam. And then and then Second uh, Kings chapter 10, verses 29 and 31, concerning Jehu, who is the 10th king. But Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam. And he continued to worship the golden calves that he set up. And verse 31, he did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. After Jehu comes another king named Jehoahaz, the 11th king. 
Once again, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, followed the sins of Jeroboam. The following king, Jehoash, this is Jehoash, he also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin, but he walked in them. After him comes the 13th king, Jeroboam II, verse 24. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. As you can see, Jeroboam, as the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel, set the course of this entire kingdom to destruction. The kings who followed him, he did worse, and they did worse. They did not remain faithful to God. Now, Hosea's ministry began in the days of Jeroboam II. This was the context in which the God had called him to go prophesy against this, these wicked kings and the people who are living a life of covenant unfaithfulness. So Hosea's ministry began during this time, which was one of the most spiritually turbulent times in the history of Israel. Now, God called Hosea to prophesy against the northern kingdom of Israel, to bring a message of judgment and destruction against them for obvious reasons, because their hearts were so far away from God. They were just blatantly living a life of sin and ungodliness. But guess what? No one listened. No one listened to Hosea, and they completely disregarded and dismissed Hosea's prophecy. They actually mocked him. They ridiculed him. But despite being criticized and condemned, Hosea did not stop. He continued uh, his ministry faithfully until the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel at the hands of the Assyrians. So as you can see, this wasn't an easy time for someone like Hosea to go on behalf of God to the faithful ministry. People hated God. God was forgotten. But here's Hosea being faithful to the call that God has given him. I would like for us to read Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, because this will help you understand um, what God is calling Hosea to do. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, Take, your, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and he conceived the boy of a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on, the day, on that day, I will break the, the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I, will have, for, for I will no more have mercy in the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy in the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword, by war, or by horses, by horsemen. When she had weaned No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name Not My People. For you are not my people, and I'm not your God. Not nice names, right? Not nice names. God's anger and divine displeasure against his people becoming personified as Hosea names his children. As you can see, God specifically commands Hosea to do something that is very shocking. Go marry a prostitute a woman of whoredom, and have a children of whoredom. And he also specifically gives them names that bears this divine displeasure and wrath and judgment and destruction that is coming. As you can see, God is furious and burning with anger at his people because his people that he loves so dearly have forsaken him. They have abandoned him altogether. And these names clearly indicate that he is angry with them. He's not pleased with where they are in terms of their walk with God. This reminds us that sin is an abomination to God. Now let's turn to verse 1 of today's passage. Now the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man. 
and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Now by marrying Gomer, who utterly breaks his heart into pieces, because she will eventually abandon him and do it again and again and again. But through this entire process, Hosea is able to feel and understand the heart of God. How the sins of Israel break God's heart into pieces. How God grieves over the sins of his people. It is for this reason God tells Hosea and Mary Gomer. But not only that, at this time, where we are in today's passage, Gomer's already gone. She's nowhere to be found. But God tells Hosea, do this. Go and find Gomer, who is loved by another man at this point, who is an adulteress, and I want you to go love her. He doesn't say, go find her and condemn her. Go find her and destroy her. No, God does not say that. God tells Gomer, Go, I mean, God tells Hosea, go and find Gomer and love her. And here's the thing. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. And Hosea can't believe what God is telling him to do. So Hosea tells God, Lord, Gomer is breaking my heart. And you're telling me, the woman who has already abandoned me and is living with another man, and living a life of ungodliness, indulging in sins of this world, the pleasures, you're telling me to go love her? Go and find her? God, Gomer is breaking my heart. Try to put yourself in Hosea's situation. What would you do? How would you feel? What would you tell God? But this is what God tells Hosea. Hosea, My people, they are breaking my heart. And as you seek out Gomer, and as you bring her back, you get to understand a glimpse of what I feel when my people sin, wander away from me, walk away, abandon, forsaken me, because my heart breaks. And our heart's been broken for a very long time because of what is happening in 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 the... the northern kingdom of Israel. What makes you grieve, brothers and sisters? When you look at the indwelling sin in your life, and when you look at how your broken heart can be so fickle and stubborn and rebellious, and you continue to wander away from God, thinking that there's something better in this life, in this world, that can offer? I mean, does that make you grieve? Do you grieve over the sins in your life? Do you grieve over your wandering heart that continue to, to turn away from God? And that breaks God's heart. But does that make you grieve? And when was the last time you actually grieved because of the sins in your own life. Because when we sin, when we give in to temptation, and when we turn away from God, when we abandon and forsake Him, we're not just breaking God's law, we break His heart. And when we sin, we are breaking God's heart. So as Hosea remains faithful to this shocking and scandalous assignment that God gives, go find Gomer and love her. For the first time, Hosea is able to to see and feel God's broken heart. That becomes real. That becomes real. Jump into the second point, the love that ransoms. Verse 2. So I bought her for 15 shackles of silver and a homer and a leaf sack of barley. So Hosea goes. In fact, he doesn't even know where to begin. He doesn't even know where to go to find Gomer. But he goes in faith because he wants to obey God's command. But how do you think Hosea felt when God told him to go 
find Gomer. But not only that, God says, go find her, bring her back, and continue to love her. That's insane. How do you think Hosea felt? That must have been an extremely gut-wrenching and heart-breaking process. And what would you have done? What would you have said to God? That's insane. And think for a moment with me here. Where do you think Hosea went to find Gomer? Where was Gomer at this time? No one knows. But in order to find Gomer, I'm willing to bet that Hosea had to go to the most despicable part of town where people are blatantly living in sin and ungodliness and in indulging in worldly pleasures to the fullest extent. There's no regard for God in that part of town. And obviously, someone like Hosea shouldn't be there. He's a man of God. He's a prophet sent by God. He has no business in this despicable part of town. But Hosea goes... Because God told him, go find Gomer, buy her back, and continue to love her. So Hosea goes. And as he is rummaging through the streets looking for Gomer, Hosea has no choice but to to approach people. Talk to women. Hey, have you seen Gomer, my wife? And he also has no choice but to approach prostitutes. Have you seen my wife, Gomer? He has no choice but to approach men. And these are men who could have used and abused her. Men who could have already slept with her for a price. Oh, Jose, he has no choice but to approach these men, these, these wicked men, and ask, have you seen Gomer, my wife? And during this painful search, What do you think is going through his head? And during this agonizing search, and what do you think is happening in his heart? As his heart breaks because of Gomer, Hosea begins to understand God's heart more and more. And as his heart aches because of Gomer, Hosea begins to feel more and more God's broken heart. For his people, and the more Hosea anguishes over Hosea, Gomer's unfaithfulness, and as the agony in his heart grows and deepens because of Gomer, the more Hosea is able to feel and understand God's broken heart for his people. How much God hates sin that destroys people, and how much God loves his people. Hosea gets to see a glimpse of that. And it becomes real to him for the very first time during this painful and agonizing search for his wife who has abandoned him. Now after finding Gomer, probably in a marketplace being sold as a slave, Hosea is forced to buy back something that already belongs to him. You get that? He has to go buy something that is already his. This is not told, but I'm willing to bet that as he was rummaging frantically through the streets of that part of this pickable area of this this town, he probably came across a, a marketplace where slaves were being sold, and there he finds his wife, Gomer. He sees Gomer, dirty, beaten, filled with guilt and shame, afraid, confused, hopeless, has a look that says, I want to just die. Who will love me now? I'm a nobody. Hosea sees Gomer and says, I will buy her back. I will buy her back. And look at verse 3. This is what Hosea tells Gomer. I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore, belong to another man, so will I also be to the beautiful words of love redeeming love Hosea does not lash out at Gomer what are you doing here what have you done when will you stop Hosea doesn't say that he simply finds her seeks her out 
buys her back. It's a love that ransoms. And this is what he tells her. Instead of condemning her, he says, stay with me and I will be with you. I will continue to love you. And here Hosea's redeeming love for Gomer, the love that seeks, the love that ransoms, actually foreshadows God's redeeming love for broken sinners like you and me. And through Hosea's love for Gomer, God demonstrates his scandalous and reckless love for broken sinners like you and me. We are just like Gomer. We are no better than Gomer. And people like us who are so undeserving of this kind of redeeming love, we get, to, we get invited in to be part of God's kingdom, right? And in Christ, we can say, I am loved. I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm an adopted. I'm part of a kingdom that is coming that cannot be shaken. I'm forever securing God's hands. None of us here deserve to say that. But even through this story, of Hosea and how Hosea ends up loving Gomer, we see a glimpse of the scandalous and reckless love of God for broken sinners like you and me. Let's turn to verses 4 and 5. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod and house of God. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in the fear of the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. And here's the question. Who is this king that Hosea is referring to in verse 5? King David? I mean, by this time, King David is long gone, right? He's long gone. And who is this king, this Davidic king that Hosea is referring to? Please allow me to explain. I mentioned earlier that the, the Israel was split in half after the death of Solomon, right? And then the northern kingdom of Israel, because of their uncovenant unfaithfulness, God eventually wiped them out. Line of 19 wicked kings who just did whatever they wanted to do, what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So what God did, even though God sent prophets to warn them, but they did not turn their hearts back to God. So God would eventually send the Assyrians, and at the hand of King Sennacherib, the king, northern kingdom of Israel will come to an end. God wipes them out. Now the southern kingdom of Judah, it had both good kings and bad kings, but eventually they, they turned their hearts up, uh, away from God so they would also experience God's wrath and punishment. So under the, uh, the hand of the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, they eventually get punished. Nebuchadnezzar comes and he wipes the entire city out of the kingdom. And, and what, what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? He actually takes some of them to exile into Babylon. But here's the thing. God eventually brings them back. This remnant that remained faithful to God eventually back to the promise. And the question is, why? God wiped out the entire northern kingdom of Israel, but why doesn't God do that with the southern kingdom of Judah? And why does God preserve and spare a remnant of people that remain faithful to God? And the question is, why? Let me explain. And this was already prophesied, actually, to, to the southern kingdom of Judah, the people who are living in this, in this part of the kingdom. God actually told them through prophet Jeremiah, and this is mentioned in Jeremiah 29.10, that, that uh, for, the, uh, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, the promised land that I uh, promised to give to your forefathers, Right? So after 70 years, God does bring them back by using a king, of, uh, a king named uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, who sends a decree throughout the kingdom and he actually enables the remnant that God has preserved in Babylon. And, and, and King Cyrus actually makes a way for them to, to come back. And you know what the interesting thing is? Stay with me. I know this might be boring Old Testament history, but I'm trying to here make a point. Just stay with me, okay? 
But one of the groups, the first groups that come back to the promised land, Jerusalem, and, and this first uh, group of exiles uh, was led by a guy named Zerubbabel. God uses this guy to bring back the first group of exiles from Babylon back into the promised land. Now, Zerubbabel, this name, this, did you know that this is also mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, which happens to be the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Matthew 1, verses 12 and 13, there is Zerubbabel. Now, what is the point of all this? boring Old Testament history. And here's the thing, guys. Despite Israel's covenant unfaithfulness, God continues to remain faithful to his covenant promises and spares and preserves a faithful remnant of God's people, here's the thing, who specifically belong to the house of David, the line of Judah, through which the promised Messiah, the Messianic king that Hosea is referring to in this verse, would come to seek, to redeem, to ransom, to save broken people like you and me. His name is Jesus Christ. And Hosea is looking forward to the coming of this promised king, promised Messiah, this messianic king. And Hosea's ministry took place 70, 50 years before the birth of Christ. But they are already looking forward to that day because they're holding on to God's covenant promise. And God does remain faithful to his covenant promises. And this is mentioned throughout the pages of Old Testament history, right? They're holding on to God's covenant promises. 750 years before the birth of Christ. And Hosea is pointing through the birth of Christ, the messianic king who will come and make all things new, conquer sin and death once and for all, who will go to the cross on our behalf so that people like you and me, who are no better than Gomer, who continue to break God's heart, could call him Abba Father and become his precious children. Now during the time of Hosea, and as God commands Hosea to go love Gomer, and as the people, rebellious and stubborn people who could care less about God, as they see what God is commanding Hosea to do for Gomer, and even through that broken love story, they get to see a glimpse of this redeeming love that would eventually be shown 750 years later on a cross at Calvary. Right? They didn't know that. But they're holding on to that hope. Not for you and me. Things are very different. We can actually look back 2,000 years ago. What happened at Calvary, at Golgotha? You know, just like Hosea, who went to the, the most despicable part of town to look for his wife, who remained unfaithful to her, Jesus, who is the promised Messiah, the Messianic King, he also went to one of the most despicable places on earth, the cross, where he will be crucified as he took our place, where our sins, past, present, and future have been nailed to the cross once and for all. I mean, this is mentioned throughout Scripture, right? Mark ten forty five. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here we see a love that seeks, love that pursues, love that ransoms. Love that redeems. Second Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wound you have been healed. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, broken sinners just like Gomer, Christ died for us. Brothers and sisters, you are bought with a price and you are not your own. You have been redeemed. You have been ransomed. Jesus came from heaven to earth when he went to the cross for you and me. He was rejected, beaten, mocked, ridiculed. 
people cursed at him. People spit at him. He was scourged, physically beaten and tortured. And he hung on that cross for you and me. Why? It's because he came to seek and to save people like you and me. When he came to redeem, he came to ransom. Jesus is our ransom, and we have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed for us on that cross, the body that was broken for you and me on that cross. Let's jump into our last point, the love that completes. Do you know why Gomer left Hosea? Let's think for a moment. Why do you think Gomer left Hosea? And I'm willing to bet that she was feeling empty. She was feeling incomplete. And she followed the folly, the foolishness of her broken heart, thinking that there was something better out there. So she went searching for it, whatever that, that she thought would make her feel complete. And for Gomer, she she sought that kind of completion in, in, in the way that men would love her. Men would throw uh, expensive things at her. And she thought that would make her feel complete, her life complete. And brothers and sisters, I want to ask you the same question. What are you chasing after that you think is going to make your life feel complete? Are you feeling incomplete? Are you feeling empty right now? How is your walk with God? Have you been wandering away from God? Is your heart in a very despicable place? A place where it should not be? Perhaps, perhaps it's not just a, a heart thing. Maybe you're actually there physically. Heart is so far from God. And you've been chasing that thing because you think that's going to make you feel complete. That can satisfy the inner longings of your heart. And brothers and sisters, sometimes it's not just bad things. It could also be a good thing too. You could be chasing after that promotion, that raise. Trying to have perfect children, perfect family. Good grades, good image, reputation. It's not just bad things. It could also come in a form of good things, right? But what are you chasing? What are you chasing? Blaise Pascal, famous French mathematician and philosopher, this is what... He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Only when Gomer came back, I mean, he was brought back by Hosea's redeeming love, pursuing love, but only as she remained in the context of covenant reunion, a covenant union was able to feel that kind of complete love, feel complete, right? You know, you and me, we've been created in the image of God. And only, and only when and then when you're walking with God and you're in Christ, communing with him on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis, will you feel complete? Because that's how God has designed you and me to live to experience intimacy, to feel complete, only in the context of a loving relationship with God himself. And only Jesus is able to completely address this emptiness within that we're going to continue to struggle with. And only Jesus is able to fully satisfy the inner longings of our broken hearts. Only Jesus Christ. Whatever you're looking for, whatever that you're seeking, that you think is going to make you feel complete, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to do that for you. It's going to make you feel more empty. Did you know Hosea, the name Hosea means salvation? Salvation. Hosea is Gomer salvation. Did you know that the name Gomer actually means Completion. Completion. 
in Jesus when he went to the cross on our behalf 2,000 years ago. And as he is hanging on that cross, becoming sin for us, cursed for us, dying the death that we should have died, becoming our substitute savior, he's telling you and me, who are are just like Gomer, I'm your Hosea. I'm your savior. I'm your salvation. And I really pray and hope that as you continue to live your life as Christians, that the depth of God's redeeming love for you, that he has shown you on that cross 2,000 years ago, that that would not only become real, but, but that that would go deeper and deeper, that it will sink deeper and deeper into our heart to the point that despite what is happening in your life, that you can always say in faith, I am complete in Jesus Christ. I am complete. And Jesus, I am completely yours forever. Your self-worth, identity, not based on what you have, what you can have, what you can buy from things in this world. I'm not talking about that kind of love. But because you are forever secure in Christ, because, Hosea, because Christ is your Hosea, your salvation. Let that sink in so that you can always say, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what you're going through, you can always say, I'm complete. I am complete in Jesus Christ. Pastor Tim Keller, he reminds us the depth of God's revealing love for us as he writes, we're far worse than we ever imagined and far more loved than we could ever dream. It's easy for us to sit here and point finger at Gomer. How can you do that? But brothers and sisters, let's be honest, we're no better. We're just like her. Perhaps even worse. Our wandering hearts, our sinful hearts, our stubborn hearts that continue to wander away, that continue to break God's heart. But here's what the gospel says. Jesus, your Hosea, in the words of Matt Chandler, and God saying, I'm your Hosea, and I've seen the ugly, despicable parts of you, but I'm staying. But I'm staying. What did Hosea tell Gomer after he brought her back in verse 3? You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So I will be with you and I will be to you. And that's the promise of the gospel, brothers and sisters. Jesus says, yeah, I see all that ugly stuff in your heart and you're no better than Gomer but I'm here to stay and stay with me so that you can be complete and I will always be your Hosea your salvation your savior perhaps you came to church this morning feeling like a Gomer Maybe you've been going through things that no one knows about and in the heart of your heart, in the depth of it, you know you're at a place that you shouldn't be. You're just like Homer. You have a wandering heart and your life looks like that of a Gomer. But remember, brothers and sisters, that in Jesus Christ, We can see a love that came to seek, a love that came to redeem, ransom, but not only that, a love that can complete. And I really pray and hope that as you continue this journey of faith, and as you continue to to, to walk with God by His mercy and grace, that you will continue to experience this, this love that will never, ever change, that you will cling to that, and that it will change the way you live. But not only that, it will compel you to love the people around you whose lives look just like Gomer. Maybe because of all the ugliness that you see in your heart, because how broken your life looks like to you, perhaps you still struggle. 
to believe this gospel because maybe to you this is too good to be true. And, and every day maybe you, throughout the day you're asking yourself, you know, am I loved? Am I secure? Am I a child of God? Am I forgiven? I struggle with that. And I'm sure you do too. And this is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. But Satan will not stop. He's going to continue to throw lies at us so that we keep questioning. But in Christ, and because we know what took place 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did for you and me, our Hosea, we can confidently say, I am loved, I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I am adopted, I am secure. And that never, ever changes. So don't forget that there is a Gomer in all of us that will continue to make us doubt and question This is why you need to preach the gospel to yourselves every day. And this is why you need each other. So that you can remind each other of the work that God began in your life and that he will finish it, right? I have one more practical application for you. There are also gomers among us. You know, countless number of people are living in sin and without hope. And they have utterly broken lives. But that's what sin does. Sin breaks and destroys everything on its path. And God is calling us to, to love them. And I really pray and hope that even as a church, as we seek to be more outwardly compassionate, not just in 2019, but, but you know, moving on, that we can be more intentional about reaching out to the gomers around us and let the love of Jesus Christ, the love that pursues, the love that seeks, the love that redeems, the love that ransoms, the love that forever secures and transforms you from the inside out, let that love compel you. The love that you have already received, let that love compel you to go and love the gomers that are around you. The gomers that only you can reach. Be a coworker, could be a neighbor. It could be that same person that, that you continue to run into as you in your commute to work. There are gomers among us, right? I think Luther was absolutely right, Martin Luther, when he was commenting about the difference between God's love, how he loves, and, and our love, how we tend to love. And this is what he writes. Human love gravitates toward that which is lovable, that which is already good and beautiful. But God's love, on the other hand, gravitates toward that which is unlovable and creates that which is lovable. And this is what we've seen in today's passage. Hosea, who symbolizes God, going after someone like Homer, utterly broken by sin and loving her, when she was so unlovable and helping her to become good and beautiful through his love. The question I have for all of you is what is keeping you from loving all the gomers around you? Are you embarrassed to love like Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed to love like Jesus Christ? Because your reputation is on the line? Because your image is on the line? Your credibility is on the line? But there are gomers in your life that only you can reach. And I really pray and hope that this redeeming love of God will compel you to go after them. And may God work powerfully in and through you to bring them back so that through your presence in their lives, that they can experience the type of love that Gomer experienced through Hosea. Brothers and sisters, God loves you more than you will ever know. Do not forget that. You are loved. You are cherished. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. And there's absolutely nothing that's going to change that fact. 
So every day, every waking moment, let's thank God and celebrate this love that seeks, this love that ransoms, and this love that completes us in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And God, we do ask for forgiveness. And in your mercy, would you help us to be able to see the folly and the foolishness that lie deep in our hearts, Lord. And God, in our foolishness and sinfulness, and we continue to turn away from you, and our hearts are fickle, stubborn, and we continue to turn to things of this world, and we continue to wander away from you and abandon and forsake you. But thank you that you will never, ever stop in pursuing us And God, we thank you that you came to our rescue. Thank you that you went to the cross once and for all to be our ransom. Thank you for conquering sin and death once and for all. And God, as we continue to to live, help us to to live in light of what you have done for us 2,000 years ago on that cross. And, And may your redeeming, unfailing, unconditional love compel us to go and love all the gomers around us and pray that would you have mercy upon us and use us to be extensions of your love to those who are hurting, to those who are living without hope, to those who are feeling empty and incomplete. God, as we share our lives with them and as we share the gospel with them, as we just love them with the heart of Christ, Father, that we will to, to point them to you so that they can also experience the same redeeming, unfailing love that we have experienced. So God, use us for your kingdom and for your glory. Thank you that you love us and that there's absolutely nothing in our lives that would change uh, your love for us. God, we love you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.